0: Salam Khosham Adid, Bakherbiyan, and and in good old T are we doing alright? It's good to be here this morning together to worship God, and um, we'll now be looking at the Word of God. We'll be uh, looking at the, the Book of Jonah. Um, we've been uh, reading through for the past few weeks, and uh, this morning we're in the first chapter. So if you've got a Bible, if you could turn to the book of Jonah, chapter 1, uh, we'll be reading through verses 7 to 16. The words will be projected on the screen as well. So it's Jonah 1, 7 to 16. And they, the sailors, said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hail me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord! Let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and held him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its rain, raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Amen. This is the word of God um, recorded in the book of Jonah. And uh, if you haven't read it, I would highly recommend it. It's only four chapters, and it will give you good background and context to what we go through on a Sunday morning. Some people look at the book of Jonah as a manual, and you know sometimes people talk about the Bible uh, as it being a book that shows you what to do and how to live your life. Uh, quite a lot of Christians look at the book of Jonah as a manual of what not to do. Um, but I can assure you there's more to it. Um, Let's start with this question. When was the last time you learned something the hard way? Um, all right, so you always learn the good way, and so I'm the only one then. Um, but think about it. When was the last time you learned something the hard way? We all do, and there's no shame and embarrassment in. Of course, if that's how you learn all the time, then maybe you need to change your ways. But even as a child, we learn the hard way. If you could go to the first slide, please, you we learn that we do actually need to look where we're going to. Otherwise, that will happen. (laughs) And we all learn that from childhood. No matter how much our parents tell us, look, you need to look where you're going, we just don't learn until actually we bump our head into something. Again, from childhood, we learn that we can't trust everyone. If you could go to the next slide, please. (sighs) (laughs) Then, very quickly in life, we learn that our parents actually don't get everything right. Next slide, please. <laughs> and again, that's very early in life that we come to find that out. Um, and then the next bit, um, I haven't got an illustration for that, thankfully, and you'll be grateful to me for that. Never play Twister with a full bladder. If you play Twister, you know what it is, um, and you don't want to play that with brother. Trust me on that. So sometimes we learn things um, the hard way, but we do learn at the end. There are other ways of learning them. Uh, sometimes we have to go to university or college to learn things. Sometimes we learn things through life, depending on what context we're in. We pick up skills and, different, uh, and we all have different learning uh, behaviors. Um, with Jonah, he had to go to the fish college to learn something. So he had to go there, and it was a short course, relatively short, three days. He still came out, not with a distinction, not with even a merit. If, If it was up to me, he would have to go and reset the whole thing. He would have to go through the course again. So with Jonah, this morning, we're looking at the part where he's in the boat with other sailors who are doing their job. They have family waiting for them back home. This is their job. This is they're a source of income, they're probably the breadwinners, they have wives and children and mothers and fathers who rely on them, and this is their normal work. So the sea is normal to them, and the sea raging is probably normal to them as well. They've seen that, particularly in the Mediterranean area. Um, but this time it's quite different, because they've got a guy called Jonah, who's first asleep in that boat that is rocking, tossing, and turning into the sea, and it just doesn't seem usual. So they go and ask him, what pills are you on? He just doesn't really answer. He's, uh, he says, well, um, he's just trying to get away uh, from it. Um, so they go to him and say, what have you done? How do they find out that it's Jonah? They cast lots. They go, any, meeny, mini moe, uh, And then they find out that it's Jonah. Uh, they pick up Jonah and say, what have you done? Tell us how to put it right. So if you don't know the story, this is just a tiny bit of it. Um, There are other versions of it available, VeggieTales. If you YouTube it, you'll uh, probably hear other versions of it. So Jonah, being an Israelite, is running from God. So the very person who should actually know the, uh, the heart of God for people, the very person who receives words from God and takes it to the king or the people to make sure that they're edified, to make sure that they're walking, in line with God's will for them, is running away from God. Um, There are different reasons behind it, and different theologians have come up with different reasons. Um, We're not going to go into that in detail, but we're going to look at um, how we identify with Jonah. Because sometimes we can look at uh, stories, events, or parables in the Bible, and we pick out the good people and with them. So the parable of the Good Samaritans, how many times, how often you read it and you think, I'm the good Samaritan. Jesus said that to people around him and told them, look, you're the guy who's beaten there, who's bleeding to death. That's you. You're not the good Samaritan. I'm just telling you this parable so you know what being a good neighbor is all about. And again, with Jonah, we can read it and we can put the blame on Jonah and say, uh, I wouldn't have done it. If God had spoken to me, I would have gone and done it. I would have gone to Nineveh and said, look, people, I'm from the Lord, I've come here and I'm telling you, if you don't repent, he's going to come down hard on you. But we quite often fail to see that we are Jonah. And by that, I mean collectively, and by that I mean the church. So the church could be Jonah, the Jonah of our age. God has given him a task, instead of saying, yep, I'll go and do it, you're God, You saved my parents, my forefathers. I've heard a lot about you. I've experienced you in my life. I'm going to go and do what you've asked me to because I know you're sovereign. You do what you want to do anyway, even without me. But thank you for this privilege. I'm going to go. I just need a certificate from you to say that I'm actually from you so they believe me. I just need a letter or something, a letterhead. Sign it. I'll take it there and I'll tell them you've sent me. Uh, again, none of us have done that in the past in our lives. We don't run away from God, do we? No, we're obedient people. We're always really looking out for what He wants us to do. And even if it's against what we want to, yeah. If you're nodding your head, I'm glad none of you are. Because then that would be untrue. Uh, quite often, we know what God wants, but we run away from it. Quite often, we're Jonah. We hear God. We know God's heart for people around us. But yet, we decide to choose Jonah's ways. We make choices just like Jonah did. So he goes towards Tarshish, a different direction. And as Gavin said last week, Tarshish is um, a place uh, near, today's day, Gibraltar, near his um, home country, uh, homeland, and... um, I'm glad that he found a place in the Bible, so that makes two elders who, have, um, who were born in places where biblical events happened and biblical characters lived. Uh, Raj and Simon are trying to uh, keep up the competition, of course. Raj is trying to look into the Bible, trying to find verses uh, and events that happened in Bramble's farm. And I've been trying to say, uh, yeah, you may find some. Even if you don't, God still loves people in that part of the world. And, um, and we all agree with that, I'm sure. Um, so Jonah gets on the ship. It goes to the opposite direction and he's putting the life of the sailors, the poor sailors, who are just doing their normal life, uh, puts them in danger. Is he running away because uh, he thinks Ninevites aren't deserving of God? Is he running away because he thinks if he goes to Nineveh, then um, he'll be killed because he's an Israelite and he knows how cruel they are? Or is it because, is it because he thinks they're my enemy, they're my people's enemies, I'm not going to go there God's given them 40 days. I'm going to keep away for 40 days. I'm going to come back on the actual day that God's going to pour out his wrath, his full wrath on them, and I'm going to watch it, and I'm going to laugh at them, and I'm going to say, I told you, I'm the superior race. I told you so, didn't I? So that's probably that. John Piper, um, I mean, it's quite harsh. It will come across as quite harsh, but let's read it and let's reflect on it. What he says about Jonah is this. Jonah was a racist, a hyper-nationalist. He did not want to go to Nineveh because he knew God would have mercy on his enemies. He didn't want their repentance. He wanted their doom. Quite contrary to the spirit of Jesus, he did not have goodwill towards his enemies. He was not about to bless those who used to curse him. He was a hardliner and God was too soft. Does that sound harsh? Now replace the word Jonah with us, with your personal name, and how often before, what Jonah has done, but trying to look at it through rose-tinted glasses. John Piper continues, he carries on to say, what could make a Nazi angrier than to have to take the mercy of God to a Jewish ghetto? What could make a nationalistic American angrier than to have to bear the news of divine forgiveness to Tehran or Moscow? Quite sobering. God could have chosen anyone else, yet in His grace He chose Jonah. God doesn't want to only shake individuals. By choosing Jonah, he just didn't choose one individual and said, I'm going to change your life. I'm going to show you something of my heart that you think you know, but you don't. Because my heart is about the nations. Of course, I worked through a particular lineage, through a particular people group, but I kept telling those particular people group right from the beginning that the nations are going to be blessed. I told your forefather, I told Abraham, that the nations are going to be blessed through what I'm going to do through him. So God didn't just show Jonah something. It was for all of us. Now, I don't know whether you've been in a ship or a boat um, in um, a sea that is raging and roaring and tossing and turning. Um, you've probably been in a boat in, uh, in rivers around here with idyllic scenes and lovely views. Like the typical English countryside with a river running through and a boat. It's nothing like the sailors were in. I mean, what they experienced was God trying to get Jonah out and put him right back. Now imagine if God's doing that, then it's a lot harder. So they weren't singing, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. If you see a big fish, light up the barbecue. It, it, it wasn't working that way. Um, they were rowing really hard, but they weren't getting anywhere it's very clear from the verses that even when they ask Jonah, what have you done? And then Jonah tells them, and they're really scared because the sea is like home to them. And Jonah says, my God is the God who made the dry land. And they'll go, yeah, and the sea. And they'll go, so he's made them both. He must be so powerful. He's God and he's making the sea raging over us. What have you done? And they're scared. And when Jonah tells them what to do, they still don't want to do it because they fear the Lord. They know that it's not right to take the life of an innocent man. Even Jonah is offering them a solution and they ask for a solution. They're not taking it until the point where they've tried everything. They've tried every single thing that somebody would do who's used to going on the sea in a boat. And then at the end they think, we've got family waiting for us. We can't really die for this one man, so let him die for us. And they'll go. Just as they're about to hurl him into the sea, this shows that they were really fearing the Lord. They come before God and they ask for forgiveness. Even though this is what Jonah has told them. Jonah said, I'm a Hebrew. By that, he could mean a lot of things. He could firstly mean that I'm the chosen people. He could mean that I'm a prophet. I received the word of the Lord and I'll go and tell it to others. He could mean... His ethnicity and who he's from and what sort of people group he belongs to. He doesn't answer all of their questions. Who are you? What people group? Which country you're from? He just tells them a bit. And they could probably tell who he was and what his occupation was. But yet, they still ask for mercy. They still say, God, we're doing this because this is our last option. And he's told us, but please forgive us. And then... Jonah ran away because he didn't want foreigners to come to get to know God. What happens? These sailors, who are foreigners, come to get to know God. If he'd gone to Nineveh, it would have been better for him. Even with his ideologies of being the supreme race, at least a whole town would have come to get to know God. Not these sailors. But Jonah ran away to avoid something from happening, and yet more happened. More happened. How many times have you run away from God and how many times you've seen his hand at work and you realize I'm actually going the wrong direction. I'm not going to rely on my own strength because I'm just about to give up. So God, I'm sorry. What do you want me to do? And then yet he opens the doors of blessing there and then and he does what he told you he will do but he gives you a taste of it there and then. It has happened in my life personally many times and I'm sure in yours if you reflect on it. And as a church, we're not to be Jonah in parts of his life. As a church, we are to be the prophetic word of God. We are called to be the prophetic call. The church's job is to go out and declare the glory of God, to go out and tell the world, look, if you don't turn around, it's not going to turn out really good for you. God has spoken to me, and he doesn't have to speak to you directly. There are many Bible verses to to support what you're about to tell them. Or he may speak directly to you and he may give you prophetic words, specific words for specific people and situations. But this is our job. We are called to be the prophetic voice of God out there in the society. Think about the British society and think about the role of the church in the society. I'm just grateful to God for the legacy that the church has in this nation. Now, there are things that maybe Christians aren't proud of. But there's so much more that God has done in this nation, throughout history, through His church, that we can really boast about. But if we're not careful, the only thing that will remain of it is the calendar. The only thing that will remain of it is Christmas and Easter. The only thing that will remain of that heritage is maybe school terms and university or college terms starting around Christian calendar times. We're called to continue Building on the shoulder of giants. Not only in this nation, but the nations. Praise God that as a church, we're not Jonah. At least in our vision and in the way we work out our life. In the way we work out our faith. We're not Jonah. You know why? Because we love people from other nations. We love foreigners, and I've been called that many times, but with negative connotations. But we love them the way that God calls them. And we love them, and you can just have a quick look around, and you can see that I'm telling you the truth. If you're not taking anything else, just have a a look around. Praise God that as a church, our vision is not like Jonah. That as a church, we don't think that God's called us to be cultly people together. Of course, family is great, but sometimes a good friend of mine, Raj, said sometimes some values can be counter-values. It's great to be a family, but if, you, if a family is all you are, then you're not going to grow, are you? If, it, if all you are is just a family, then you're not going to worry about the nations. You're not going to worry about the neighbors. And don't get me wrong, being a family is great, and I love that, and that's who we are and who we, how we live our lives. Christians who only rejoice by looking inside the church and seeing what God is doing and then go home really happy and have their Sunday dinner and then don't really think about what God's about to do outside the church, they're missing out on so much. If that's you, I want to challenge you today. If you see inside the church and you think it's great, we're seeing healing, it's amazing, God's working, we're seeing growth, and that's a wonderful thing, don't get me wrong, but there's so much more outside here that God wants to do through you and I He doesn't have to choose us. He doesn't have to work through us. He can do it. He can get an army of angels and do what he wants to do. He's God for all we know. He's sovereign. But yet he's decided to work through you and I. He's put us in different places from your workplace to your university or college you go to. From the friendship groups that he's given you. From the very street you live on. From the neighbors that he's put next to you. Even though sometimes you may not like them if they're too noisy. But this is a privilege. I was explaining the word privilege to my son the other day that God's given us privilege and honor and I found it difficult to really go into the world and define it so I brought examples of the Bible and used that and he could really get it. He could understand. Yeah, God in his greatness decides to work in us. Is it because we're good? No. Is it because he needs our help? No. Is it because he, we've got the gifting that he doesn't? know? It's because it's a privilege that he's given us. And then he got it straight away, or he said so. Maybe he just didn't trust me um, and the definition I gave him. They were casting lots to find out who it was, and through that they came to ask Jonah a big question. Let me encourage you, don't wait like Jonah to be asked who you are, what your identity is, which people group you belong to, and what country you're from. We're all people of the kingdom if you believe in Jesus Christ. We belong to his kingdom and we are the citizens of his kingdom. Regardless of our nationality on earth, we have many refugees and asylum seekers, but praise God that we in here are all citizens of the kingdom of God. Don't wait for people to ask you, oh, which people group you belong to? You're a bit different or they may phrase it in a very good way, in a positive way, but what they mean is that you're acting a bit weird. You're saying, God has spoken to me. I'm like, come on, does God even exist? to even speak to you? And why would he speak to you and not somebody better than you? And I've heard that, again, from uh, our good friend Mushtabah here once when I was praying for him, and he said, mm, you want to pray for me for healing? I mean, who are you? And then he got healed. Uh, praise God. Um, that was payback. <laughs> <Brilliant>. <laughs> Our identity quite often um, lies in a secure place. We think is secure, just like Jonah's. Jonah's identity was in his ethnicity. His identity was, was in his nationality. His identity was in the people group he belonged to. And his identity was in the sort of work he was doing. He was a prophet. And therefore, he thought he could just do what he wanted to do because he has direct access to God and God speaks to him. Don't let your identity be in places other than God. Because let me tell you, Jesus says that all other grounds is sinking sand. It sinks. It doesn't stand the wind that comes about. He is the rock you can stand on. So don't wait for people to ask you, who are you? Be open. Take pride in the fact that you belong to God. Take pride in the fact that you do the work for Him because He's called you to. Take pride in the fact that you belong to him. Take pride in the fact that our God became like us and not only that, he died a horrendous death, but he rose again. Take pride in the fact that our God is alive. Take pride in the fact that Jesus made a claim to deity, made the claim to being God and he proved it. Take pride in him because that's a secure ground. Let your identity be in him too. Let your identity come from knowing Him and standing before Him. It's in light of knowing Him that you can really know who you are. If you know Him as your Lord and Savior, if you know Him as the perfect Lamb of God, if you know Him as the Lion of Judah, and if you believe in Him, then you really know who you are in light of that. Then you know that you're a righteous person. Then you know that you're a holy nation. That you, then you know that you're a royal priesthood. Then you know... You're called to do the work that God has called you to. Jonah had to go down before he could come up. How many of us have experienced that? But in the depth of our troubles, God comes and sees us. Jonah had to go down. He went down from Joppa. He went down from the deck to sleep. Then he went down into the sea. I just love the analogies in there. He went down, but even in going down, we can see the grace and mercy of God in there. God came and met him in the depth of his troubles and provided for him. God came and saw him there. You think you're down, and you think, oh, I don't really want to be here, but you're still going further down? Let God come and meet you where you are. But trust me, if you allow him to meet you where you are, you will not remain there anymore. So don't get comfortable. Because once you come to get to know Him, He doesn't leave you unchanged. Very often people say He worked through fishermen. He worked through those who were the outcasts of the society. Yes, He did, but they didn't remain simple fishermen. Not that there's anything wrong with being a fisherman. But they turned to be people who stood their ground and testified for Him. And many of them died for what they were saying about Jesus. Not about themselves. Perhaps you feel like you're in that ship and your life is in a storm and it's just going from one side to another, and as you're about to overcome some troubles, then the next bit starts. Let me tell you, allow God to come and take control. Let Him come and meet you where you're at. There's nothing that is impossible for Him. Don't be like Jonah actually has no choice because he's suffocating in the water and he says, all right, I'm coming in, open your mouth, I'm walking in. We don't have to be that. We don't have to wait there. The better option is to say, God, I'm before the cross. I'm leaving all of this at the foot of your cross because I know you'll take it and the yoke you'll give me is light. Now, I've been there many times in life. Probably times where I've doubted God. God, is this really what you had? Is this really your plan? If you know um, the recent changes in our lives, I've even questioned that many times. And I'm not embarrassed to say that. I've been thinking, I've been sat in my quiet time with God and said, God, did you really say to me to do this? Was it really you? Um, Because it seems really harder than what I thought. Um, But yet, He came and met me there. I didn't question God. But I did take my question to him and said, look, will you please help me with this? Because I'm only a human being, and you know that, and you know my weaknesses, and you know who I am. Will you help me? So if you're there, perhaps you're in relationship difficulties, perhaps you're in a place where you think my financial difficulties are holding me down, you're in a place where you think mental health illness is just not going anywhere, You're in a place where you think the difficulties of life are just drowning me. Allow God to come and provide for you, to take you in into a safe place. Stubbornness will not get us anywhere. God is God and He will do what He wants to do. As you continue to read the story or the events that took place, you will see God's grace and compassion on a people group who committed horrendous acts. You probably think, oh, I'm better than them. God will give you even more than that. <laughs> can I ask the band to come up, please? If you're running away from God, let me tell you this. From experience, but also from the Bible. I can tell you, He's after you. There will be storms that will come. There will be places that you'll go to run away from Him in order not to see what he wants you to see but you'll see even big more perhaps you're running away from him because you think my opinions and what i have and my plans are greater or perhaps you think oh what he wants me to do is just out of my depth let me encourage you stop where you are allow him to come in learn from jonah let's learn from one another Jonah isn't the only person in the history and he's not the only person probably in this room being talked about. Many of us have that and we can identify with him. So if you're a follower of Jesus, your desire must be the good of everyone. Your desire must be to carry out the will of God and your desire of your heart must be to see people like God sees them. Now Jonah had to go to a foreign land. Some people think you're in a foreign land here because you're from other nations, but if God's brought you here, this is your home. And I include myself in that. Jonah didn't even want to go in to tell them the news. We have a great news for the land we live in. We have a God who loves this land. We have a God who loves the people in this land. And we have a God who is able to do things. So let us together stand and call out. Let your will be done in this place. And call out, let your will be done on side. Let your will be done in the streets of Middlesbrough and Stockton and Redcar. Let your will be done in the lives of people here who don't know you. Who are caught up in darkness, who don't know you. And by knowing you, will be set free. Because your word says you will know the sun and the sun will set you free. Are you up for it? Should we stand together? Just before we go back into songs, I want to encourage us all to think about the streets you live in, to think about your neighbors, to think about the people you see every day, day in, day out, maybe not the same people. As you walk to work, as you cycle to work, if you're Simon and Gavin, as you drive to work, think about those people. And imagine that many of them don't know Jesus. How does God feel about them? Think to yourself for a few minutes. How does God feel about people not knowing Him? His heart breaks over them. His heart is for them to come to get to know His love and grace in Jesus Christ. Now if we are people after God's heart, then our heart must reflect His heart. Is your heart broken over the people of Teesside? Is your heart broken over those who are lost in this nation and the nations? Does your heart break as you hear news of people being caught up in darkness and not really knowing Him? If the answer is yes, let's lift up our hands together right now, just before we go into songs. And let's call out the name of people you know, the name of places you've lived in, the name of places you walk into daily, then your colleagues' workplaces. Let's lift them up together and ask God to come and meet them where they're at and take them out of the storm and bring them and add them to His kingdom. Let's do that together right now.